Thanks for joining us today on the nateholdridge.com podcast. Today we're talking about a topic that is sometimes hard to talk about, sexual immorality, and how do we avoid falling into sexual immorality. This is the kind of conversation that we believe needs to be happening regularly. This is not just a one-time podcast kind of conversation, but we do hope that as we talk about this, as we talk about what scripture says about it, that you would be helped in your life and in your endeavor to live a life that is holy unto God. So let's get into it. Nate, recently you wrote an article about abstaining from sexual immorality. Yep. I wondered when I put the title up, I thought, is anybody going to click on this? <laughs> this is this is not a very exciting title. Hmm, that's exactly what I wanted to read about today. No, I'm so glad that you wrote this article. I was reading through it this morning and I was just so, um, I think just like really encouraged just cool, by man. scripture and by what you were writing and just your pastoral heart for people through this. And before we even get into... <clears throat> just the the conversation we're going to have. Can you just take a moment and kind of take us through the article? Maybe like almost like a recap yeah, of the article sure. for us. So really all it was was m- me writing uh, about Paul's writing mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 4. And uh, there at the beginning of that chapter, uh, Paul talks about sanctification he actually says, this is the will of God for you, mm. your sanctification. I love that. Yeah, so what sanctification is, is uh, we're in the process of appropriating the holiness of Christ into our lives. So, mm. you know, when you become a believer, you are declared holy by God, but in sanctification, you're becoming uh, more practically holy. You are living out that holiness. So, you know, when, when Jesus died on the cross for you and you believed in him, uh, he purchased your spirit, your soul, your body, and declared those things clean before mm-hmm. the Father. It was unclean because of sin, but he declares it clean. But now we want to live out that cleanness. That's what that sanctification is. We are, we are putting on Christ. We are growing is another word yeah, to, to use good. to describe sanctification. So we're, we're growing, we're being changed, we're being uh, transformed. Uh, Paul said to the Philippian church, he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's mm-hmm. what sanctification is. I am saved, but I am continuing to be saved. Uh, and, and what that means is like this body of mine with its appetites and desires and this uh, will inside of me and all of that, these things are being saved by God. So as I'm growing, as I'm being sanctified, mm. I'm becoming more like him. And of course, you know, his predominant attribute is that he's holy, you know, and that is kind of like, you know, that, that's how God describes himself to the people of Israel. Like, I am holy. Yeah. And then there are these other things about him, you know, he's love, he's... Uh, just, he's uh, merciful and kind, uh, he's all-powerful and all-knowing, but all of these attributes are subservient to his 
holiness. And so his love will will never violate his holy nature. Mm -hmm. His justice will never violate his holy nature. Uh, so that's who God is. And so Paul, you know, tells the Thessalonian church, like, you know, this is what God wants for you and right. for me. He wants mm -hmm. us to grow, to be like him, to, to be sanctified. And then right when he says that, he says, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would abstain from sexual immorality. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, I don't know if it was just like a, well, obviously kind of moment because yeah. you know i think i think a lot of us you know when we think about sanctification and holiness you know maybe for a few of us it's like one of the first things that comes into our mind is like yeah i, I really need to stop like eating too much or something right. like that right. but in a thessalonian church where they'd come out of the gentile definition of what uh what sex is uh in coming out of that into a biblical Christianity, you know, view of the body and of sexuality and, and what sexual sin even is in the first place. Yeah. Totally. And coming to that view, it's like that would be one of the first, like job number one. Mm. So of sanctification would be you gotta stop going there. You gotta mm. stop with the sexual immorality. And then what I did in the article is I just tried to break down the, the two paragraphs that followed. Right. Because Paul expounded on abstaining from sexual uh, immorality. And the way I kind of explained it was just it seems like the first thing he does is he talks about how to abstain from sexual mm -hmm. immorality. And then the last thing he does is he talks about why yeah. to abstain from sexual Im immorality. So I'll, I'll, can I just read that? Yeah, He please. says that each... Of one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So part of the how is to be able to control our bodies, to get, mm. get control of your body. And then he says, not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so I said, we have to expect to live counterculturally. Right. You know, our sex ethic is going to be very different from the Gentile world or the, you know, the world that we're living in. And then he says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. And, and what I explained was in the how, we, we don't want to hurt other people. And so yeah, we do right. with sexual immorality. We hurt yeah. ourselves. Mm -hmm. We hurt others. Uh, we hurt the body of Christ. We're cheapening somebody mm -hmm. uh, and always at least ourselves in sexual immorality. And then he said because... And this is just like grace when Paul says this, because I mean, God yeah. could just say like, that's what I want you to do. But here he says, and I'll, I'll show you why. He says, the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So there's God's vengeance in the whole matter. Like, you know, God is watching over our lives. And he says, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. So again, there's that concept. God has called us. There's a calling on our lives and here it's the calling of holiness. And then he says, therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And so uh, part of the why is that God's spirit is inside of us. Yeah. And, you know, like Paul said to the Corinthian that. church, he said, you know, yeah. when you're engaging in sexual immorality, you're bringing the body of Christ right along with you because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're bringing 
you know, the church into activity that the church should not enter into. So that's mm. that's part of the why, you know, that Paul mentioned. But yeah, just a powerful, you know, couple of sentences from Paul about, you know, gaining victory over the body and, and uh, abstaining from sexual immorality. But but like you yeah, said, totally. a huge issue, you know, in this time and, and world that we're living in. And, uh, you know, just a huge issue because of our appetites. It's always been a huge issue. It's, it's not true. like, oh, yeah. now it's all of a sudden new. It's it's always been a huge yes. issue. Yeah. And, you know, God created us to have sex. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gave us these sex organs that we had. He, he is the one who made them pleasurable in certain ways, right. you know, mm-hmm. so that a man and a woman in marital relationship could not only enjoy each other, but be bound to each other. He said mm-hmm. the two become yeah. one flesh. And, and as a married couple enjoys each other sexually exclusively over the years, they actually form a deeper and stronger bond with each other. Their, sa- their feeling of safety with each other begins to increase and grow. The marriage bed is like a microcosm of the marriage itself. Yeah. It's a way to serve one another because in marriage, you're supposed to serve one another. It's a way yeah. to enjoy mm-hmm. one another because in marriage, you're supposed to enjoy one another. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an image of the bigger thing that God is doing yes. in the marital relationship. You become one together in the bed because in marriage, God has called us to operate in a oneness together, the two becoming one flesh. So, I mean, God God designed this. God delights over it. Yeah, I mean, he's so got good. a whole book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon, that, that delights in it, talks about marital romance and sexuality. This is one of, like, God's greatest inventions. <laughs> yeah. And so mm. it's no surprise that Satan would attack it yeah. and, you know, pervert it in the minds of his people, you know? And um, I'm not really trying to write this article to make some kind of big statement on how, you know, everybody, you know, whether a believer or non-believer should operate sexually. Mm -hmm. But if you're a believer, that's what he's saying. Thessalonians, he's not writing to every Thessalonian that existed. He's writing to the Thessalonian church. To the church. He says, for you, Mm -hmm. God's will is that you would be sanctified and that you would abstain from sexual immorality. And it's a beautiful life. Yeah, that's, that's all I can full. say. I mean, it's a beautiful life. It's a full, rich, good life. Wow. That's awesome. Thank you for taking some time to give that case kind of just for, for God's design for it and why we want to pursue um, a holy kind of lifestyle with our sexuality. I think it's so good and so helpful. It's the best. It's the best, man. It's the best. It really is. So thanks for saying that. I, I, I'd love to ask you a couple of questions about it. Absolutely. Um, when we're thinking about that, I, I feel like a common thing just within the heart of man, woman, is to, uh, there, there's just like, is that sin inside of us, you know? And we desire for things that we shouldn't want to desire for. We want to satisfy ourselves in ways that we believe are going to satisfy us, but but in God's eyes, our sin. And uh, one of the things I think that happens oftentimes is that when two people are, two people are in a relationship, there's this common question of, well, there's this common desire of wanting to go a certain distance physically with the other person. And I know I've asked the question before, like how far is too far. I want to honor God, 
like how far is too far with this person I'm in a relationship with? Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, yeah, what, I mean, that, what do you think about that? And again, you know, here's Paul talking to the Thessalonians who, you know, they didn't get saved out of the church in Jerusalem. They got right. saved out of, out of, or out of the city of Jerusalem. They got saved out of the city of Thessalonica. Right. So in Thessalonica, you would have heard things like, how are you going to get married if you haven't experienced each other sexually? Mm -hmm. Don't you need to figure out whether you're sexually compatible? Um, they would have heard things like, you know, look, if you bottle up that desire, you're going to go crazy and right. you need to like go for it. You need to satisfy whatever, you know, desire uh, you have. Those would have been some of the thoughts, you yeah, know, that totally. they'd heard in uh, in uh, Thessalonica, and you know, obviously in the culture at that time, like a married man, it was kind of commonly expected you'd have three ladies, you know, in your right. life. It mm -hmm. wouldn't you'd you'd have the wife that you'd bear children with, uh, you'd have the wife that you'd kind of emotionally connect with, and then you'd have your mistress that you would sexually mm. connect with, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of times in that culture. So. You know, they would not have been hearing, you know, these types of ideas. So, yeah, they probably would have been wondering that very same right. thing. Like, what, what, what are we supposed to be doing? You know, yeah. well, <clears throat> look, <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think we have to, to when, when, when we're thinking about that question, we have to make sure we talk about, look, it's not always with someone else even. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously, pornography is rampant. I heard somebody mm -hmm. talking about some yeah. crazy statistic the other day about the combined viewership of uh like the world series the super bowl the nba finals you know all these huge sporting events and that they pale in contrast to the audience of pornography mm -hmm. so it's a it is a plague uh upon uh the church you know yeah. I, you'd expect it you know in culture uh but it's a plague upon you know the body of christ and, and really hurts and harms people and i think there what you have to have is a zero to tolerance policy mm -hmm. part of the reason that you want to have a zero to tolerance policy is because of scripture because of god's yeah. command you know on your life there's no room for that you know looking on the nakedness of someone looking on the sex act of someone else watching that viewing that you would never go into a room and think that to be normal mm -hmm. to watch two people or or you know whatever it is that you're seeing you'd never think it normal to view that in person uh, but somehow behind the safety of the screen we sometimes somehow think that that is normative behavior mm -hmm. Uh, and and even if it is normal, it's not healthy. It's not right. It's not good. And so part of it is just you know God's holiness, God's desire for our lives. There's got to be a zero tolerance policy. But but I think there's another reason, not yeah. just what God says, but also just the pragmatic reason. It is so addictive and it is so damaging. Yeah. Just what mm -hmm. happens to you and how hard it is to stop once you begin. Uh, you know, I've heard beautiful testimonies of God saving men and women out of an addiction to pornography or, you know, a flirtation with pornography. But a constant theme is, it's very difficult to mm. climb out of that behavior. Yeah. So I think there, it's like, well, how far is too far? Anything. You know, you want to you wanna really draw that line far away from entering mm. into it and uh, really guard yourself, you know, against it. 
That's good. So that you never go into it. But you know, when it comes to you're kind of talking about like a couple of people, they're maybe dating. That was really good. Yeah, yeah they're they're yeah, yes. <laughs> sorry. Uh, they're they're <laughs> dating. They're kind of hanging out, and they're interested in each other. They're attracted right. to each other. Praise God! Like God yeah. has made us, you know, in that kind of way to have that kind of attraction. And you know, maybe they're going to get married, maybe not. But they're they're trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And as you're going through that process, you're kind of wondering, you know, hey, what? what's okay you know physically what would be all right to engage in what would what would be you know wrong to to engage in well i mean i i guess i guess this is a family podcast so i don't know how like specific uh (laughs) we can get here but i would just say the world is way more comfortable in this area than christians ought to be Hmm. you know when i when i'll just i'll just use I'll, I'll just use, look, when, when Christina and I started dating, what everybody needs to know, and I think I've talked about this before, like I got saved out of, out of a lot of this stuff, yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I'd given myself over to a lot of this stuff and it, it had a real grip, you know, on my heart and the Lord had to really take me through a process of redemption and healing and mm-hmm. growth. But it's, it's something that still stays with you, you know, as, as the years go by, there's not a day that I don't wish that I hadn't gone there yeah. in those earlier years of my life. But by the time I met Christina, I was I was doing well. You know, the Lord had done some pretty cool stuff in my life and heart to kind of get me into a healthier place. And so, you know, for us, we would hold hands mm-hmm. um, from time to time. And um, there did come a moment during our uh, engagement where we would kiss she each other. She lets you kiss her I, I would actually I actually <laughs> kissed her and you know for me like because you know she was so sweet and yeah. just like you know oh like and I was the one that was like dude I don't know I don't know if I can handle that because <laughs> yeah. I'm you know it's like right. it's like putting the keys in the ignition mm. like I I don't need to get this engine going you yeah. know kind of thing and so we just had like lots of uh, boundaries that we made sure were really prevalent, you know, in our lives. Like mm-hmm. I never went into her apartment when her roommates weren't like in the living space. Yeah. Um, I never went into her room in her apartment. Uh, yeah, I was just, wasn't a place that we hung out and she never went into my apartment. Um, part of that was just because it was nasty, but it's just a bunch of dudes. She didn't want to go in there anyway. No, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody wanted to go in there. Um, you know, but so that was a boundary. You know, uh, we, uh, so we just, we just tried to have some like healthy parameters where it was like, look, we just can't, we just can't be, we can't be like parking down at the beach, you know, late at night, just kind of hang, right. hanging out and talking. You know, we just, that, that for us, it was like there are certain places that it's just, you know, temptation can kind of brood yes. and exist. Uh, so, you know, obviously, if you're like walking down the, if you're like walking in, in the corridor of the mall holding hands, like you might be tempted, but you're probably not going <laughs> to do anything, you know, like there's a lot of people there, yeah. you know, but you might have the same feeling yeah. when you're mm-hmm. in the dark alone nobody's around Mm -hmm. and it's a lot more difficult to resist the temptation in that moment so for me i just like look i i think you gotta draw a pretty pretty uh pretty prudish probably like line in the sand and just say like 
look, I, I know how this works. You know, I know what my body is going to want to do, what my mind, my emotions, my heart. Mm. Like, I'm attracted to this person. They're amazing to me. And to say, like, but I just don't want to ruin that before the time. You know, the Song yeah. of Solomon, I think, is a great guideline. It's, they say over and over again, don't awaken love, I love that. before the proper time. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a good thing to, to just imagine is like, just imagine love like this, this uh, gas tank, you know, and it's like <laughs> you throw a match in there and it's just, yeah. you know, right. fire is going to come. And so you just want to stay away from mm-hmm. the flame because there's a, there is a time that it's proper. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you don't do anything to to bring yourself into it too early. Wow, that's really good. I love that phrase you used too, just like no tolerance kind of boundaries too. My wife and I, before we got married, had similar kind of boundaries. She lived with a couple of women who would not let her live in the house if I brought her home after 10 p.m. Nice. <laughs> it was like those kind of boundaries where it's like no nonsense, like, when things are getting dark and stuff, like we just need to make sure that there's no temptation for you both. And I, I know I look back on that. I'm so thankful for it. And I know that that's not common. That's not the general practice that everybody participates in. But man, the more that we can kind of have that attitude of no tolerance and to have that lifestyle, I think it's just so healthy. Yeah, totally. Especially from abstaining from sexual immorality. I think it's just, it's so good. Yeah. I was kind of thinking as you were talking about that, people just have different kind of desires, you know? And I know that there's a lot of people who struggle or, or have a draw to same-sex attraction. There are people who lust after um, different kinds of people, young children, different things that we don't need to necessarily talk about. But there are these things that are maybe just in our minds that we look at and we're like, that's just like how I was built. This is what I'm drawn to. I don't fit inside that natural kind of heterosexual kind of marriage. I, anything that I do to try to satisfy this um, this desire is considered from scripture as sexual immorality. So maybe, maybe there's somebody who feels like I'm just kind of out of luck in the love area. I'm out of luck in like the satisfaction area. Anything I do will be considered sexual immorality and I'll dishonor God in that. So Nate, I, I'd love just to kind of hear your thoughts about that for somebody who's in that kind of place. What do you, what do you think about pursuing those kind of desires? Is it one of those things where somebody has to see that, recognize it, submit to God and say, I'll just never go there. Or is it something that we need to ask God to maybe transform our minds so that we fit inside of some kind of heterosexual relationship structure what, what do you think about that? What does scripture say anything about that? Yeah, so I think we we talked a little bit about this when we did the podcasts about singleness. Yeah, true. Because one of the things that we were talking about there is that uh, Paul's Paul does talk about and Jesus talks about himself the potential of a calling into mm-hmm. the single life, and yeah. uh, it's not the only reason that someone might experience a call to singleness, but I do think that it can, can be one of the reasons that somebody might say, you know, as a Christian, mm-hmm. wanting to honor God with my body and submit to his leadership over my life, I've learned from the Bible, you know, that God made us male and female, I've learned his design. I've learned that the man and the woman 
there to come together in marital union together. I'm learning that from Scripture. I'm mm. seeing that repeated, yeah. not only in the Old Testament, but it's, it starts there in the Garden of Eden, and it carries forward all the way into the words of Christ, and then in the writings and teachings of the apostles. So it isn't something that is being adapted or changed. It's mm. a constant message through the whole Scripture. Yeah, that's good. And I've come to that place you know, of understanding. And so uh, because I, I don't have a desire personally that is in line with, you know, a heterosexual right. marital relationship, I'm going to embrace a single life for God's glory and, um, and his kingdom. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray that God would shift, you know, my desires, change my desires. I, I, I do think that it would be good also if um, to go to the Lord and say, is there anything, I mean, you mentioned pedophilia right, in right. what you just mentioned. And I think most people would say like, there was probably a course that someone followed mm-hmm. yeah. to get themselves to that place. Right. It was saying yes to a, a sin that led to more, to more, to more, to more and more until mm-hmm. it landed at that place. It probably wasn't one of those things where I've just always felt True. that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if, if there's anything, as you go to the Lord, I would just say, Lord, is, is there anything in my life that, that I invited into my life you know, it was yeah. a sin that I chose or that somebody sinned against me and, you know, just damaged me and rewired kind of just the way that I view the human body and sexuality. I would go to the Lord and say, Lord, would you give me wisdom about that? And is there, Lord, could you redeem that in my yeah. life and, and kind of begin that process of confessing that to him, asking for his help uh, in that? And then just laying it before the Lord for him to, you know, transform your heart and desires if that's mm. something that he wants to do. But the, but the thing to remember is that our satisfaction at the end of the day, it just doesn't come from sex. Amen. Yeah. Our satisfaction, mm. our bodies are for the Lord. They're not for mm. sex. That's, you know, the, 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 idea, the idea is my body is capable of sex, but it's not for sex. It's mm. for the Lord. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, someone might have to really cling to that and say, you know, uh, I, this body is going to be ultimately satisfied, not in my sexual experiences, but it's ultimately going to be satisfied uh, in the Lord. He's the one that's going to make me whole. And I'm going to enjoy him. This might be a pilgrimage for you, you know, a sojourn for you. That's what it, that's what this Christian life is, anyways. And a day is coming where we get our new, humanity where they're not given in marriage like the angels and we just enjoy God and we're going to get to experience that on that side of eternity so just remembering that you know and sometimes that's hard to do because obviously we live you know if you're in a church culture that you know the the church has to talk a lot about marriage because there's a lot of problems Mm -hmm. inside marriages and a lot of sin you know in marriage and stuff like that so church has to talk about it a lot but you might be in a church environment where it's like a it's it's the ideal it's it's Mm -hmm. glorified you know kind of thing and so you might feel the pressure to think, man, that's where real satisfaction comes from. And it doesn't, mm. you know, it comes from the Lord. That's that peace comes from the Lord. So yeah, yeah I think remembering that. That's so good. Thank you for 
opening up about that a bit. We're towards the end of our conversation, Nate. Do you have anything that you'd like to just encourage people who are maybe, maybe they're, they're a Christian who is struggling with some kind of sexual sin, some kind of thing in their life? Anything you want to say to that person just kind of pastorally? Maybe somebody who, who is in that and wants to see victory in their life. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, my mind is, is uh, scanning so many of the guys that, uh, by God's grace, I've been able to see, you know, really live in, in beautiful victory yeah. over the years. It's one of the most exciting things. It really you is. You know, to yeah. watch. And, you know, I've seen guys who, you know, it was pornography and they, it just decimated them. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, God, began to convict them and you know they began to grow they confessed their sin and god just restored and and redeemed them you know Mm. i've I've seen guys who were and i I keep saying guys because a lot of my like personal you know experience with people is going to be i'm going to work with men but this is a male and female you know issue Mm -hmm. obviously and you know but i've seen guys who have been, you know, very unfaithful and like mm-hmm. sexually addicted and just, you know, uh, chasing women and, and, uh, you know, just, um, having a, having a horrible view of women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've watched them, you know, just decimate their marriages and then the Lord gets a hold of them mm-hmm. and they begin to submit and they begin to grow. And I've watched marriages that were previously just total disaster become beautiful Mm. and then i've seen guys who have had desires sexually that would not be fulfilled in a heterosexual marriage and yet they've come to christ and they've said you know i'm going to submit my whole man to jesus christ and i'm going to walk with him and they they're just very fruitful Mm -hmm. they love the lord they're being used in incredible ways by god and just being able to see that you know just um I guess I would say, you know, to, to have hope, to really have a strong hope and a confidence in, in the Lord, because, you know, I hold those stories out because it's obviously, it's very easy for us to see the behavior that has, you know, that's damaging and Mm -hmm. to hear the stories of a family that's broken or hurting, you know, things like that. But for, for Christian men and women to, to have a belief that, look, I can, if I come under this, there's something beautiful that could happen in my life and don't allow yourself to kind of exist in the shadows and to think to yourself like, man, I, yeah, I can't talk to anybody about this. I can't uh, get any prayer for this. I can never confess this because the shadows is exactly where the enemy wants to keep you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better to, to, you know, confess to your brothers and sisters in Christ to, you know, begin working through that in your own life and to begin appropriating the victory that's in Christ. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't, don't let the darkness, uh, it, when, you, when you're living in the dark and living in secret, it just, there's, it has power over you. Uh, but part of the releasing of the shackles or the power that it has over you is by getting into the light. So get there as quickly as you can, have that hope in your heart and, uh, and watch and see what God's gonna do. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives 
all of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.